Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have another book club. So for our book club, it was The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. So Leanne, do you want to talk a little bit about why we picked this book? We picked this book because June is LGBT Pride Month, and we wanted to highlight an author from that community. Last year, we read Lot by Brian Washington, and this year we picked The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley, which I think I heard about in passing somewhere, which I feel like could be a good bet is on the Novel Pairings podcast, just with my books. Most likely they came from there, but I think I mainly picked it based on the cover because I feel like if you haven't seen it, the cover is yellow and like has bright colors. And in my head, I was like, okay, cool. Nice, light summer beach read. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is a little little heavier than I thought it was going to be. But we can get into that later. (laughs) I would totally agree with that. So one of the things that I loved about the cover of this book was it kind of reminded me of like, you know how kids illustrations nowadays are very like blocky and like fun and bright colors. It kind of reminded me of that. So I felt like it was going to be like, one of those really like uplifting books and just like a fun summer read, which it was, as you said, a little bit more intense than I think what both of us had anticipated. But that being said, I still feel like it hit on a lot of really great points. So I'm really glad that we read this book. Yeah, I don't think I meant it as like, oh, it was bad. But I guess just as a heads up for anybody who's picking it up, it does deal with some serious topics like cancer, death, drug addiction. So it's not all summer fluff, which is probably good to know before you read if some of those things can be kind of hard for you. So transitioning in, we have a little wee bit about Stephen Rowley from his website. He is originally from Portland, Maine, which is one of Kaylee's favorite like want to go to states. And then he attended Emerson. And I think it's kind of funny because he lives in Palm Springs with his husband, kind of like Patrick from The Gunkle, minus the husband part. Yeah, I think that's really awesome. I like that he uh, lives in Palm Springs. I feel like it's always more authentic to me if the person has lived somewhere where they're writing about or like if they have a deeper knowledge of it, you know, because I don't know about you, but whenever I think about like, if I was ever to write a book, not saying that I could, not saying that it would ever be any good. But if I was to ever write a book, I'm like, well, it would be so difficult to pick a place that's an actual place here, because then you would have to know all of these little things and like know about the restaurants and the names around town and all of these different places. And I just feel like it would be so difficult to navigate without knowing that area. Yeah, I think what I just as a quick aside before we get into the actual book. But I feel like this made me realize that I actually had no idea where Palm Springs was. Like, I knew it was California. I knew it was, like, L.A. area-ish. But, like, I feel like the way the book wrote about it is that it was a lot further away from L.A. than I thought it was in my head. See, when I thought of Palm Springs, I thought of Florida. So... I don't know why. That's probably completely incorrect. Is there a Palm Springs in Florida? I don't even know. It just sounds like a place that would be in Florida. I feel like there might be. But the only reason I said, like, I knew it was in California, I meant, like, after starting the book. Because he was, like, former L.A. I just assumed he stayed out there. I don't know. Now I'm confused. But it it was California, for the record. Which is good to note. 
I feel like that's especially important because it kind of ties into that whole fame aspect that he has in the book. We're going to get into a couple of spoilers now. So if you are somebody who has not read the book, just quick forewarning, there may be some spoilers in here for you. I think with the whole fame thing, I think it was important for it to be set in California because it was like he was close enough to his former job that it still felt relevant. Yeah. So basically, Patrick O'Hara is originally from the East Coast. After college and all that, I think after a brief stint in New York, he goes out to the West Coast. He's on this sitcom, which I feel like he doesn't really like that much, but it kind of got him super famous. Um, And then what happened was that his partner got in a car accident and died. And so then between all that, he kind of stepped back from acting. And so now he just kind of lives in his house in Palm Springs. Doesn't really go anywhere or see anybody except for his uh, thruple neighbors. Who their I guess their thruple name is Jed. I don't remember all their individual names. So that's pretty much the only people he sees. And then his college friend married his brother. She got sick and passed away. And the premise is that the brother has to go into rehab out in California and watch this because it's close. So the kids go and stay with Uncle Patrick for the summer. And that's basically the whole book in like 30 seconds. There's obviously more that was left out that we'll get into. I feel like as we talk, but I feel like that's the general idea. So this is probably like a slightly heavier topic to start with, but I feel like one of the things I know, why would I pick a heavier topic to start with? I don't know. But I feel like one of the things that was really great about this book is the way that it talked about processing grief and how grief is something that like you don't have to squirrel away and hide, but it's something that like you can talk about openly. And I feel like it was really nice for me to see that in a book because it's like when people go through a time that is going to bring them a lot of grief, genuinely, I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know how to act. And I feel like there are probably a lot of people who feel like they're in the same boat where they're just like, I I am not equipped to help you process what's going on in your life. Yeah. And I think even though Patrick went through his own loss, I think he was having those same thoughts when Maisie and Grant came to stay with him. And I forget who he was talking to. Oh, I think it was the brother whose name I can't remember. But the whole thing about when he's like, oh, some days it'll be easier. And then some days are harder. But then it's like sometimes on the easier days, you wish it still hurt because it feels like you're forgetting the person. I don't know. I I feel like sometimes when someone passes away or some or, you know, someone loses something or goes through a hard time just in general, I think there's a lot of, oh, when are you going to be over it? Yeah. And I think it's good to have books and whether it be a book or a movie or whatever form of media that are starting to talk a little more about how it's going to be something that you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life and you're never actually over it. It's just you learn how to live with it. Yeah. And I think it was also really great how they talked about, you know, just because someone is gone, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't talk about them, you know, because he would a lot of the times be like, oh, like this was one of my favorite memories with your mom. And I feel like that's a great way to help people process grief. You know, I say as I know very little about processing grief, but 
I feel like that would probably be a good way to help someone because it's like you don't want them to feel like they can't talk about it. But also, like, if you're talking about a happy memory, I feel like that, you know, helps you remember, but like in a positive light. Yeah. Rather than just remembering them like in their last couple of moments. I think also when they were still in, I think it was in Connecticut and how Maisie and Grant were kind of like running around acting, quote, like, fine, okay. And how the whole, it might have been Clara, the sister, but saying is like, oh, they're acting like that because they know everybody's watching them. And like, they're trying to be strong because they're told about how strong they are. And I think it's also interesting, just like, say at a funeral or at a wake, it's like, just because someone seems like it's not affecting them, it doesn't mean that it's not. It's just like, this whole process and it's like at different points you're gonna act and feel different things yeah and I just feel like the book overall did just such a good job with like talking about grief which again I don't know what I was expecting but it wasn't that but I'm still glad that the book talked about it yeah I feel like not in the usual way that people say this but I feel like this is definitely like a don't judge a book by its cover not like because you think it would be bad based off of his cover, just because I feel like you think it's very happy-go-lucky. And it's, which honestly, you know, if we're getting super, Leanne, this is what you hate about English class in high school, but I'll say it anyway. If we're getting super into it, it's like, like, do they put that bright cover on purpose? I don't think they do, because I personally am in the team of like, if they want blue curtains just make the curtains blue for no reason but I feel like it's kind of like it ties into the summer the palm springs the yellow and things like that but it's also like I don't know what people present to the world isn't necessarily what's on the inside yeah or it like kind of fits into that whole like masking grief like we were talking about with Macy and Grant yeah I I could see that I don't know maybe he did or maybe he didn't I don't know we'd have to you know have the author on our podcast to ask away Here's my thoughts is I don't think it was done on purpose, but then also like I could totally see an English teacher buying that up if you wrote that in your like essay. Yeah, I feel like it probably wasn't done on purpose. I think it was just done to be eye catching and, you know, kind of give off those like fun summer read vibes. But I don't know, maybe maybe the author had an ulterior motive. I don't know. So in a weird way, I feel like this kind of segues into something I want to talk about is on the cover, it's Patrick and then the two kids and they're kind of walking in their, I forget what they call them. I know the kids originally called them a dress and then Patrick's like, it's not a dress, it's this. But I forget what the article of clothing is called. But I think another thing it did well was talking about gender roles and like gender norms because the two points that I highlighted from it was one, when they first got there and her dad Maisie's dad had packed her like I don't know if it was like a bikini because she's like eight but something that was quote girly and how she used to love going to the pool and she wouldn't go in the pool and like they didn't know why and so then Patrick eventually talks to her and it's because she doesn't like wearing those form-fitting swimsuits and so I thought that was one example and then another one was when Patrick was the maid of honor and the kids were like you can't be the maid of honor you're a guy those are the two examples I had, but I look forward to hear what you say. have to say. And I really like how he was like, you can wear whatever you want in this house. It doesn't matter. Clothes are intended for all people. Doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl. 
And I thought that that was like a really good point, especially to make with kids, you know, because it's like, who's to say what you can and can't wear as long as, you know, you're not going out like in something that's like scandalously revealing or anything like who's to say what you can and can't wear. And by scandalously revealing, I mean, well, I I shouldn't even have to clarify what I mean. You should know what I mean. Do you mean in the nude? (laughs) That is pretty much what I mean. As long as you're not going out in the nude, you're probably fine. (laughs) So any article of clothing, you know, you have something on. Passes Kaylee's book. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this this is unrelated, but I thought I would add this in. So our school this year decided to get rid of a dress code. Which they're kind of sexist to begin with. Dude, they so are. And honestly, like, I have to say, it's been really refreshing not to have to check the kids and be like, oh my gosh, your skirt is not blah, blah, blah length. Or, oh my goodness, you're wearing spaghetti straps. Because most of the time, most of the time, the kids wear stuff that's like, all right, it's fine. It's really not distracting. There are a couple of times here or there where I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that, but... For the most part, I'm just like, as long as you're covered up, I don't care. It's fine. Where where what makes you comfortable? Yeah, I think the he said something similar with the maid of honor thing because the kids think it's like a girl a girl job, and he was like, boys can do girls things and girls can do boy things. So it's just kind of like, why are we labeling these things based on gender? Second of all, I feel like the wedding party like is kind of dumb. To make it, like, if you're a girl, to make it all girls just because you're a girl. If, like, some of your best friends are guys. Like, it's just kind of weird to pick a random girlfriend that you're not as close with just because they happen to be a female. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's a really great point. I feel like your bridal party should just be like, these are my friends. Like, it doesn't matter if you're on the groom's side or on the bride's side. Like, no, just... We can all hang out together and it'll be a wonderful time. Which this isn't a wedding episode, but I feel like also those can be kind of problematic in a way where it's like, it kind of feels like picking and ranking friends. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, they were in, or like I was in their bridal party, but like I have these four other people. So it's like, I don't have room for them to be in mine. And then it's like, what do you do? I don't know. They sound kind of messy to me. Dude, when I think of weddings, the amount of times weddings make and break friendships, and by that I mean mostly just break, I feel like it's just so stressful. Like, why? Why? Anyways, let's get back from our wedding tangent because we have done so many episodes lately that have been talking about weddings. Well, at least in some capacity. Maybe it's just because we're getting to that age, Leanne. We're getting to the age where Facebook is all weddings and babies. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, what were some other things that we had noted about this? Okay, I have one little thing. It's like lighter, silly, and like I feel like not very central to the book. But when they celebrated Christmas in July, that made me so happy because I used to start, apparently when I was little, I used to start talking about Christmas in July. And like, I don't know. It was like a whole thing. Like, I don't know why. There's something about like kids. Maybe because you're like halfway between Christmas and the next Christmas that they're kind of like ready for it again. But that made me so happy. Yeah, it reminded me of my cousin. I'm pretty sure that like when COVID hit, she and her kids celebrated Christmas 
in July. Like they just got out the Christmas tree and celebrated not like a full blown Christmas, you know, with all the like the gift giving and stuff. But they like put the Christmas tree out in July because they were like, well, it's COVID. Why not? And so they just did. Yeah, I think some of that were like, if you don't celebrate Christmas, I think maybe like a different holiday could do this for you. But I think it has this warm, cozy feeling. Not for everybody, I realize, because sometimes holidays are stressful and dramatic. But I think if you have a good association with Christmas, I think what makes you so like makes it so welcome is like that's when you see your family and like you have good memories of it. So I think especially for Maisie and Grant, who had just lost their mom, it's like it gives them a little bit of comfort. Yeah, because it reminds them of like being all together with their family, like you said. So I feel like, yeah, that could definitely be a very comforting moment or like a comforting time for them. I think another part too is like when we talk about holiday stress and stuff, you also have to think about like from a kid's perspective, like they are usually not the ones buying a whole bunch of gifts. So like it's just a day where you receive a lot of presents and you get together with your family and you have a nice meal. And so like they don't really see like the stressful elements of a Christmas celebration that an adult would see, right? And so I think that that's why it always has like such a warm feeling about it is because it's like, wow, everybody gets to celebrate, you know, as long as you would like to, you know, other people might celebrate different things. But like, as long if you would like to, you're more than welcome to celebrate. I think that's definitely part of what makes Christmas so magical as a kid is you're so right. Like any sort of stress just went way over my head. Did I do any holiday cooking? Like, I helped my mom get, make cookies, but, like, I wasn't responsible for anything. And like you said, gifts, like, I don't know, maybe I would put my name on something, like, when I was little and, like, it would be from me. But I feel like a lot of the mental labor and, like, going to get it was not on me at all. And I think it, I don't know, I think that's, like, you kind of lose that when you grow up because you just kind of get caught up in the rat race of, like, oh, I have to do all this. I have to clean. People are coming. I need to get this. And so it's, like, it's nice just to see the pure joy that kids have with it, if they're lucky enough to. Yeah. Christmas as an adult, I feel like, is definitely a little bit different. And I feel like, too, as you grow up and you get older, like, especially if you're from a bigger family, too, you have to think about, like, not all the time is everybody going to be in town, you know? So it's like, when you're a kid, it's like, oh, all of my cousins are in town because I can't speak for every family, but most cousins are normally like similar in age, right? So you're like, wow, I get together with all my cousins and all of my aunts and my uncles. Whereas like as you get older, like people start moving away, they start doing other things, get like making their own families. And so it starts to be a little bit of a different feeling because it's not the same people who you had there when you were a kid. And it's just it's just a different vibe. Yeah. And I feel like for me. I feel like I've kind of like kind of idolized the version of when I was little and I feel like the ones now like they don't like not that I don't like them I thoroughly enjoy them but like they don't feel the same because it's like like you said kind of certain people are missing and like that kind of thing. Yeah and also you know the topics of conversation are different now it's like oh how's your job going and things like that and you're like it's going well it's going well it's still a job. I'm still there. It gives me a paycheck. Cool. There was a, I think it was for Thanksgiving, but I saw like in passing on Instagram or something where this one woman just like made a brochure because she was sick of her family asking the same questions. And it was just like about her job. And it's like, 
like in a relationship and is like still single and is like just had like a little pamphlet. Like, I don't know if it was real or not, but I feel like even as a joke, it was pretty funny. Honestly, that would be hilarious. I think my family would get kind of offended if I did that, though. I feel like they would be like, you don't want to talk to us and go into detail about that. I was like, um, no. (laughs) Yeah, but who knows? Maybe it would also open up avenues to talk about different things. That's true. So I thought I thought it was cute watching Maisie and Grant. Yeah. Okay, you know what I thought was kind of weird? What? Was when Patrick had that giant party for his, like, I'm exploring, getting back into acting, invite everyone I know thing. How he had that whole party and then the two kids were, like, there at the party with all these adults just, like, drinking and whatever. I don't know. I thought it was kind of odd. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird, too, because, like, when I imagine, like, a Hollywood-type party, right, I feel like there are probably things that go on there that small children should not be exposed to. And I think that that kind of ties in with like why Clara was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you let them stay at this party and blah, 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 blah. Which, I mean, didn't he have a, what's her name? Get somebody watching them, right? I want to say he did. I mean, not really. The, um, like the assistant kind of hung out with them for a little, but like, or the agent or whatever she was. I don't know if he had like a full babysitter. Oh, because I kind of assumed that, like, it was that agent's job to uh, kind of watch over them. And he had, like, tasked her with it. Like, you need to watch over them. I mean, he might have, but I don't think it was supposed to be her job. Probably not. I mean, it would make more sense if it was not so that she could network for him. But I could totally imagine she walks in and he's just like, okay, watch the children. Yeah, I could see it. He'd be like, I need a break. (laughs) But I think when Clara walked in, wasn't the agent playing the piano and the two kids were like sitting on top of the piano singing? I vaguely remember that. I cannot recall. That may have happened. That may have been when I started listening to it before I went to sleep and I may have fallen asleep through that part. Okay, I don't remember who the agent name actually is, but I remember how Patrick kept making little jokes about because her name had something to somebody oh cassie everest i think yes that was her name yes and how patrick kept making mountain jokes and i'm like okay poor cassie is probably getting this her whole life but also i'm like i kind of enjoy these (laughs) i know i also like how you know how he had that whole ordeal with his agent where the agent was like or the original agent I i should say so not to get this confused with cassie right With his original agent, he had, like, this whole ordeal where, like, that agent had made, like, an inappropriate advance on him. Basically, he assaulted him. Pretty much. He pretty much, yeah, pretty much assaulted him. I thought that it was really nice that he was like, well, I don't need you anymore. I'm going to get this new agent who works under you because I know it'll make you mad. I was just like, I thought that was nice that he still gave her a chance. And I thought it was really a good example to set like if someone violates boundaries like that in your life you should not stay around them like do not feel obligated to stay around them like you are free to let them go out of your life and just cut ties yeah i agree with the underlying message of it i did feel like it was slightly unrealistic when he's all like i'm gonna go pick Cassie as my agent now and you're going to give her a promotion. And then all of a sudden Cassie has like an office, like she has an assistant, she has like all these things. And I'm like, 
love it for her. She's great. But also, I'm like, this feels a little blackmail-y. Yeah, I could see that. It did feel a little bit blackmail-y. Okay, another thing that I thought regarding, like, the whole assault thing with the agent, though, the original agent, not Cassie. I was just wondering, like, is that something that happens commonly in the LGBTQ community where, like, people make these advances on you that are not welcome because they're like, oh, like, you're lesbian or you're gay, so you must want this advance. Like, you know what I mean? And so, like, it made me, like, think about that, like, oh, like, is this something that happens, like, more commonly in that community where it's, like, you have people making these unwanted advances? I don't know. It just made me like really concerned because I was like, that's really not okay. And if that's something that's happening, I feel like it should be talked about more. See, I thought it was interesting because I was when it came up, I was thinking more about the like the Hollywood's like whole Me Too movement and about how there's a lot of power dynamics going on. What's kind of interesting is how and the the reason why this feels a little blackmaily is because The whole reason the former agent goes along with it and promotes Cassie is because he doesn't want Patrick to tell his wife. Yeah. And I was wondering if that was like, oh, don't tell my wife because I touched someone inappropriately or if it was a little like homophobia or something wrapped into it because he like touched a guy is probably both. But I thought that's why, like, I don't know, like, obviously the agent was the wrong one, but also cut him out. Just don't blackmail him in real life. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Cut him out. Just don't blackmail him. Because that doesn't make you better. No, it really doesn't. And like, honestly, I feel like in some respects, I'm like, I like Cassie as a character. But I'm like, I feel like having her around would also make it hard for him to heal from that experience. You know, because it's like, it's a constant reminder of, oh, she works with this person who assaulted me. Mm. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. I think... Mainly because I just like enjoyed her spunk. I didn't really think that far ahead with it. Um, I was also reading this during like right before final. So like maybe it just like went over my head that whole connection. But um, that's a good point too. He seems to like her though. At least the way the book played out. Yeah, he does seem to like her. And I think that like those two, they get along well. I don't know. Just overall, I feel like there were so many like different topics that are important to talk about that this book kind of touched on. And it just brought up like a lot of things that I just wouldn't normally think about. Like, I think that that's why I appreciated this book. But I do have to say, in terms of like the tone of the book, even though there were like a lot of hard hitting topics, I feel like the tone of the book was still very like jokey. Like, you know what I mean? Where it was like lighthearted and like it had elements of humor. It wasn't always like, oh my gosh, this is such a sad book. Which, you know, listening to our review, you might think, wow, like this was a really like hard hitting topic book. It was, but the way that it was presented was definitely more like, oh, let's make people laugh while they're reading this book. Like, let's make people feel things, but also appreciate the positive moments in life. Yeah, I feel like it kind of encapsulates life well in that way, where it's like, Like in real life where there's like super heavy stuff going on, but it's like not every moment is like that. And I think there was a lot of funny, cute ones like when Patrick was in the diner for the I think it was their brunch. I don't think it was Lupper, which I prefer Liner over Lupper, but that's just me. 
But when they were in a restaurant, a diner for brunch, and like the kids were acting up, and then like Patrick was like trying to do whatever, and then the older couple left and gave him a note, and they were like, "Oh, like every parent has those days. Like you're doing great." I was like, "That's so sweet." Yeah, I agree. I thought that that was super sweet. Also, on the topic of combined meals, I thought it was Lunner, like L-U-N-N-E-R, because I feel like Lunner is too much dinner, not enough lunch. I never thought of that, but either way, I would prefer it over Lupper. I agree. I feel like Lupper is just not it. See, I think what it comes from is if you call it supper or dinner. And I call it dinner. Supper mixed with lunch makes no sense to me because I'm like, I don't call it supper anyway. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just like things people said in the old days. Maybe. I don't know. It could be. But I'm a big fan of like this whole combined meals thing that he's got going on because I feel like that is the way to have your meals. Like a lot of the times when I go to work, I'll have like a lunch breakfast type thing. And then when I come back, I'll have like a lunch supper lunch dinner type thing just because like when my planning period slash lunch falls it's like a little bit earlier so I can do that which is sweet yeah I feel like especially in the morning it's like I can't eat too much too early but that doesn't always line up like sometimes I have to like leave so I do eat but I I could get behind it yeah or I feel like too in the mornings It depends on how much activity I've done recently. Like if I've been super active lately and like working out all the time, then sometimes I'm hungry in the morning. But like if not, then I'm probably not that hungry. Like I might have like a little snack before I walk out the door, like a handful of trail mix or something and then be like, all right, and now I'm out the door. I don't know. Maybe this is like one of those regional things like, you know, soda versus pop. I cannot say pop. I refuse. Honestly, I don't even know what I say half the time could be soda i feel like i don't say pop i feel like i say soda i don't think i've heard you say pop but i feel like we also haven't had a reason to be saying that word yeah i feel like i say soda i don't think i say pop but then whenever i think about it i'm like i don't know what i say i just say whatever i say you say a bubbler i do not that's a wisconsin thing (laughs) i love how you have it pinned down you're like wisconsin wisconsin yes um, they also apparently in Wisconsin have like a little thing that they say about like the little fringes on a paper after you tear it out of a notebook. Like they have a special name for it. I know because my old coworker used to live in Wisconsin and he told me it once and I can't remember it. If you are from Wisconsin and you're listening to this podcast, please tell me what the term for the little fringes on the ed- edge of the paper is because it's haunted me for years now. It's like those things that have names, but no one ever knows, like like the caps on your shoelaces. The aglets? Yeah. Or like the, um, I don't know, there's like something on like the pant, like zipper with the little like thing that you pull is co- actually called or something. I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of funky things that like you know should have names, but you don't actually know what they are. Yes, definitely. I don't know. So do you want to wrap this up with our closing thoughts? I think I liked it. I So I read it on my Kindle and then sometimes it pops up and makes me do a Goodreads rating. I feel like I gave it three stars. So I liked it. I thought it was like kind of, I think it was like kind of like a like, not love. Like I wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is the best book I ever read. I think it did address some issues really well. And I think that 
makes it worth reading. I personally don't think there's anybody specific that I would recommend reading this book. Like specific as in like a person versus like, like I feel like someone who is dealing with grief or someone who's in the LGBT community recommend they read it. I would overall agree with what you said. If I was to give it a rating on Goodreads, maybe like three to four stars. I liked it. It's not one of my top 10 books, but I didn't feel like, you know, sometimes we read books on this podcast and sometimes I'm like, wow, not that it was a waste of my time, but like, I really did not enjoy that book as much as I thought I would. And this was definitely not one of those books. I think this book was a book that I enjoyed reading. Maybe I would pick it up again in like a couple of years, but I do think it was worth the read. I think it was worth the read for sure. I think that's interesting because I would say I enjoyed the read. I don't regret spending my time on it. Um, like I said, those previous books or those previous people, if you feel like that would fit with you, you should read it. But I don't think it's one I would reread. Like I don't I don't really reread books as an adult. I feel like it's kind of like TV shows. You watch it once and unless you absolutely love it, you will not go and watch it again. Yeah. And I think the thing is with that is like it doesn't mean it's not a good book and not worth your time. Like I still think you should read this, especially if you've listened to this podcast and you know that it's not all fluff. I feel like that kind of makes it nice. Like it's not just like like there's a I don't know. I feel like it was well thought out. Oh, speaking of other reads on this podcast, though, I recommended Finley Donovan is killing it to one of my coworkers who is a mother. And I was like, I feel like she would appreciate all of the taking care of the kids hecticness because I feel like I don't know maybe it's just like something I have in my head but I'm like I feel like it is actually that hectic to like be a parent I think about how hard it is for me to get myself out the door but to have to get myself and a child out the door that sounds wild yes yes it does so yeah so closing thoughts we liked this book you should give it a read our next book is going to be All My Rage by Saba Tahir, and that will be dropping on July 4th. We hope you enjoyed this discussion on The Gunkle. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you would like to share with us, please send us an email or DM us on Instagram. And don't forget to rate Zillennials Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.